So while the spirit of Antichrist has always been at work and that we've been in the last hour of the last days since Pentecost, I believe we're in the last of the last days. I believe we're in the final minutes of the last hour because we are seeing in our day prophecy being fulfilled for the second coming, which reminds you that the rapture is that much closer. Hello and welcome to Search the Scriptures the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. We've been in Chapter 13 of our study of the Revelation. This section of Scripture references three individuals. One is called the dragon, and it refers to the devil. The second is the beast that comes out of the sea, whom we've identified as the Antichrist. And yesterday, we began looking at a second beast, this one identified as coming out of the earth. Dr. Brogy noted this second beast is known as the false prophet, and each of these three individuals comprise an unholy trinity. We saw yesterday the disguise that this false prophet displays, and as we pick up today, we'll see the deception that he'll declare. Let's rejoin Pastor Carl as he begins reading from Revelation 13, verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. Like the Antichrist, he's a great imitator, a great deceiver, and that he looks like a lamb. He has horns, but he has the voice of a dragon. He has the character of a lamb, but he has the voice of a dragon. He has dragon breath, in essence. When he speaks, he speaks hell's message. Jesus told us, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Jesus warned us of these men who appear to be really nice guys, but spiritually speaking, they are going to help damn your soul if you pay attention to them. Jesus warned that at the end of time, especially during this final seven-year period, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. He also said in the same sermon in Matthew 24, 24, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect, even believers. People during this time frame are going to be so desperate for answers because the world will be in utter turmoil. The false prophet and all his compatriots that work under him are going to have an opportunity like they have never, ever had. But please understand, this is not any normal false prophet. It's articular. The three times the beast is called the false prophet. He is the false prophet of all false prophets. And don't miss that he's called a prophet because his emphasis is not political, it's spiritual. He had two horns, like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. This links the false prophet by his language to Satan's kingdom. Because if you remember in Revelation 12 and verse 9, the dragon is identified as the devil. You may be thinking, well, how does the devil speak when he speaks? Well, I don't have to wonder. Jesus told me in John 8, 44, that Satan does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, he speaks a lie. He speaks from his own nature. Why? For he is a liar and the father of lies. 
And so this false prophet is partnered with Satan himself. The second beast is, it will work like no fifth column has ever worked behind the scenes. He is going to point men directly to this false messiah. He is going to appear harmless. He is going to, though, offer solutions, religious in nature, that is going to pull it all together. His message is from the pit of hell. He is a minister of propaganda of sorts, and he will convince the world that they should follow the Antichrist. He is so deceptive, so evil, he is representing Satan himself. Now, please understand that what God is unfolding for us in this chapter is just a, a snapshot of this unholy trinity that is yet to come. Again, Satan takes the place of God the Father. Remember, it is fall. He said it is recorded in Isaiah 14, I will be like the Most High. That's what his heart's desire was, to be like God and to be worshiped. And of course, he will use his counterfeit Christ in order to achieve that. Men, we will read before we're done this morning, will worship the dragon. They will worship this counterfeit father through the Antichrist who is pointed to from the false prophet. And so the first beast is a counterfeit Christ, and this second beast is a counterfeit Holy Spirit. Look, if you go into some church today, and the Holy Spirit is the figurehead, and he is the center of it all... You're in a bogus movement that has misrepresented how God works because the Holy Spirit didn't come to bring attention to Himself. He came to glorify Jesus. Jesus said this of Him, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify not Himself, but He shall glorify me. For he will take of mine and disclose it to you. Well, just as Satan seeks to counterfeit the Father and the Antichrist seeks to attempt to counterfeit the Son, the false prophet will seek to counterfeit the Spirit. He will point men to the Antichrist. I drew a chart out this week to contrast the two, the Holy Spirit versus the false prophet, because they are not to be confused. The Holy Spirit exalts Christ. But in like vein, the false prophet exalts the Antichrist. The Holy Spirit gives divine revelation, words from heaven. The false prophet speaks words from hell. He gives satanic revelation. The Holy Spirit enlightens men with truth. The false prophet deceives people with error. The Holy Spirit builds the body of Christ. The false prophet builds the body of the Antichrist. God's people have the mark of Christ given to us by the Holy Spirit. He's our earnest. He's our down payment. He's our guarantee. We're sealed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. Likewise, as we will see next time, the Antichrist has his mark that the false prophet will encourage people to take. The 666, Christ secures us for heaven. How long are we deposited with the Spirit? In Christ, you, having heard the message of truth, having believed, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. How long? Ephesians 4.30, you are sealed for the day of redemption. Look, when a man, when a woman takes the 666 on their hand or their forehead, they will be sealed for all of eternity 
to be the devil's own. There will be no reversing that any more than you can reverse your salvation once you are saved. Remember, just as Paul told the Corinthians, no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves, his pastors, his preachers, as servants of righteousness whose end shall, will be according to their deeds. Satan is the master imitator, and at this time in history, he will have his e evil duo, the son of perdition and the false prophet working together. Now, that's the personality of the second beast. Let's also think about this morning the power of the second beast. We need to consider the power of this second beast first as it relates to the source of his power, the source of his power. We're told specifically here in verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. Now, if you look back at the end of verse 2, we were told, and the dragon gave him, the Antichrist, the first beast, his power and his throne and his great authority. We're told that the Antichrist will rule the world not by his power, but by Satan's power. He's Satan's superman. He is energized by this dark prince. And the Bible tells us that Satan gives him three advantages. He gives him his power, which refers in essence to his strength, his ability to operate. He gives him his throne. That refers to his ability to rule over all the nations of the world. And third, he gives him great mega exousia, authority. Authority, it's the word that describes the ability to do as one pleases. And the Antichrist will do as he pleases on this earth, but for a short time until Christ intervenes. Listen, the most powerful fallen angel in all of creative history is Satan. And he is going to empower not just this first beast, but this second beast. Verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. Very simply, he has the same source of power as the Antichrist does. And the world will accept this man. They will accept him as a man of God. He will be hailed around the world as someone who needs to be listened to. Satan is the source of his power, but also let's think for a moment about the scope of his power, the scope of this man's power. Furthermore, in verse 12 we read, he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. The Bible is clear that this second beast, who's called the false prophet, is so compelling that he makes the whole earth to follow after the first beast. And he is going to do this through a worldwide religion. Listen, religion is the glue that unites people. People are often divided politically over issues. Nations are divided politically, and even within a nation, we have our own political parties, and, and they often are in total agree disagreement, and for good reason often. Occasionally, they'll get together and they'll, they'll vote on a similar issue, but they can't seem to get along. And the nations of the world very often have trouble getting along. But there is going to be a glue that will unite them. We'll study it in Revelation 17 and 18, and it's called religion. I mean, think about it for just a moment. Just think about the Middle East. The problems in the Middle East are really not political. They are spiritual in nature. 
I mean, that's the heart of all their problems. Now, this little place called Israel, the size of New Jersey, Delaware, there's only 12 million Jews on the whole planet, and yet they are the center and focus of the daily news for a reason. Because God is going to culminate human history through the Jewish people. God's not done with the Jewish people. They are His chosen people designed to bring about the first coming, but also they will be used of God to bring about the second coming. But think about the 200 million people that surround that little piece of land. They hate them. They're called Muslims. They want to destroy the Jews and drive them into the water. The, the last chief rabbi in Israel said this. He said, my dream is to create a united religious nations. Just as there is the United Nations in New York, the diplomats did not succeed in bringing peace to the world. They need help. And this can come through religious language. Because a Muslim does not respect a person who is secular, he will only have respect if you are religious. The religious United Nations would also include Hindus and Buddhists. We religious people speak the same language. Well, what this rabbi wants to accomplish, what he dreams about, the false prophet will accomplish, he will achieve. Most of you know that the Muslims despise and hate the Jewish people, and again, they are bent on the destruction of Israel. But during this time, there is going to be peace, and it's going to be a religious glue. Now, lay aside for just a moment the supernatural deception that is coming through uh, this second beast. Listen to what John wrote in his first epistle. Children, it is the last hour, and just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, that is the, the one world leader that we've been studying, even now, many, many Antichrists. Those who are against the Lord Jesus. Many antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. Now, if you know your Bible, then you know the phrase, the last hour and the last days, refer to that time frame that began on the day of Pentecost, when the miracle happened at Pentecost of people being able to speak real, known, identifiable languages. Peter said, this is what the prophet Joel said would happen in the last days. So we've been in the last days since the day of Pentecost because the Bible teaches the imminent return of Jesus Christ, that the Lord Jesus could come at any moment. But the second coming is a prophecy-driven event. And there are many prophecies that must be fulfilled, not for the rapture, but for the second coming that comes seven-plus years after the rapture. John will later write in his first epistle, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now already is in the world. Key question that we want our friends to ask and answer is, who is Jesus? Is he just a prophet, as the Muslims say? Or is he more than a prophet, as the Bible says? Is he indeed God in human flesh? The Bible does not leave open the option to say he's just another religious teacher, just a, a good moral man. In light of the claims he made about himself, he's either a deceiver, he is either deceived, or his deity, or he is deity, you must choose. And so the Bible says that every true Christian claims that Jesus is God come in human flesh. 
Now, if you know 1 John, it's more than just saying, well, I believe Jesus is God incarnate. But he is saying that if you truly believe that in your heart, then your life will change because what you believe always influences how you behave. And so John over and over will write in 1 John, these things I've written to you. 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 Fifth time. These things I've written to you that you who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you may know that you have eternal life. He is reminding us that if you truly believe that Jesus is God in the flesh, your life has changed. For instance, by this we know we've passed out of death into life. We love the brethren. If you're listening to me today, and you don't love born-again Christians. You're either out of fellowship with God, and so you're not in a local church, and you don't care to be in a local church, or you're just lost. You see, a mark that you're a member of the family is you love the family. And so John will say, if these things are true of you, then you can know, not just hope or wonder, but know that you right now have this second, indeed, what we call eternal life. The Spirit will bear witness with your human spirit, Paul says, that you've had a birth from above. But with that said, again, it's not just saying Jesus is Lord, uh, making some doctrinal statement. You see demons in the Scripture making similar statements. In the opening chapter in Mark's Gospel, in the 24th verse, a demon will affirm that Jesus is the Son of God. The demons believe in, quote-unquote, tremble. But what God wants you to understand is that a man who doesn't confess that Jesus is God in the flesh, he's of the Antichrist. He's following the spirit of the Antichrist. And the coming Antichrist will definitively deny that Jesus is Lord. And all those who follow him will deny that Jesus is Lord. They will reject the preaching of the 144,000, and they will listen to this false prophet. So while the spirit of Antichrist has always been at work and that we've been in the last hour of the last days since Pentecost, I believe we're in the last of the last days. I believe we're in the final minutes of the last hour because we are seeing in our day prophecy being fulfilled for the second coming, which reminds you that the rapture is that much closer. In Revelation 13 and verse 12, this second beast comes, and he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. I want to tell you that the seeds for this coming event are being sold in our day, sown in our day. We've always had apostasy, but there is coming an articular apostasy, the apostasy the Bible speaks of. Listen to what Pope Francis said last year. Most people in the world identify to be believers. By the way, he said it at this conference. Here's a picture with all these religious leaders of different faiths. This should lead us, he says, to dialogue among the world's religions. We should not stop praying for it and collaborating with those who think differently. Many think differently, feel differently, seeking God or meeting God in different ways. But there is one certainty that we have for all, and that is that we're all children of God. Now, we'll explore this further as we get to Revelation 17, and the one world religion of the coming Antichrist is led through his false prophet. 
But please understand, on 12 different occasions since this pope has taken office, he has been pushing and promoting a one-world religion. And you cannot say what he said is true. This is a lie, that people can seek God in different ways. No, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but through me. And if you read your Bible accurately, unlike what the Pope said on this occasion, we are not all children of God, but as many as receive Yeshua, Jesus, to them he has given the right, the authority, the power to become children of God. Listen, the spirit of Antichrist is already at work. And that spirit, though, is going to be manifested in a way through the false prophet who is coming like we've never seen before. But I want to tell you, the stage is being set for it. Well, part of the reason the world is going to follow this Antichrist is given in verse 12. Look at it. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. And he makes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose fatal wound was healed. Now, we learned last time in verses 3 and 4 that the Antichrist is going to be wounded. It's a fatal wound. He's going to literally die, but he's going to be raised from the dead. And when this happens, the world will be stupefied in wonder and in worship. And this false prophet will point men to the son of perdition, the man of sin, the Antichrist. And men and women and boys and girls will worship him. The text says he exercises all of the authority of the first beast in his presence. Notice the phrase in verse 12, in his presence. These two men are the devil's duo. They work together. They will work hand in hand to accomplish the devil's purpose at this time. That brings me to my third point. Beyond the personality of the beast and the power of the second beast, I want us to ponder the performance of the second beast. I want us to think how he performs, and specifically first, the miracles that he will accomplish. The role of the false prophet is to make this false religion believable and palatable. And one tool the Bible reveals that he will use to accomplish this are false miracles. His miracles from heaven, so to speak, are nothing more than miracles from hell. Look at verse 13. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down out of heaven to the earth in the presence of man. Now, please understand that the miracles he performs are not sleight of hand, hocus-pocus, fake miracles. They are real miracles, and they are so convincing that the most skeptical people will embrace what he does. Now, remember what Jesus said in the Mount of Olivet. We already read about false prophets who will come and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Paul used similar language of this coming Antichrist, that his coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. And one of these false miracles is fire that comes out of heaven. Now, do you remember Revelation 11? We studied the two witnesses. At the end of time, two men are coming. People debate who these two men are. Most think, myself included, that it's Elijah and Moses because of the kind of ministry they have. In either case, we know for a fact that Elijah is coming 
again. Malachi chapter 4 teaches that, as well as Jesus said before the great and terrible day of the Lord, Elijah is going to come back. And one of the things that Elijah did is he was used of God to literally bring fire down of heaven. And these two witnesses, that's one of the things they do. They bring fire down out of heaven. So the devil's man comes along and says, I can do what they do. Why? Because he wants you to believe that he is the real thing, and he will bring fire out of heaven. Now, do you remember the Jewish people were always asking Jesus, not just for a miracle, not just for a sign, but a sign from heaven. The people's eyes that were blind whom he healed, the deaf eyes that he unplugged, the dead people he raised up, the, 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 the lame limbs that he allowed to walk. That wasn't good enough for them. Though those were all prophetic miracles that God said Messiah would do by his prophet Isaiah. They wanted something dramatic out of heaven. Well, this man is going to do that. He is going to bring fire out of heaven. He performs great signs, and so fire comes out of heaven. That's the miracles that he will accomplish. Think also about the outcome he is going to elicit. There's an outcome he's going to elicit. We read now in verse 14, And he deceives those who dwell on the earth because of the signs. Remember, that's the word that John loves to use for miracles. He uses not the word dunamis that speaks of the power of a miracle. We get our word dynamite or uh, teron that speaks of the wonder or the awe that a miracle produces. He uses the word samion. It's a specific Greek word that speaks of a miracle with a message. And so he chooses seven miracles in his gospel to prove that Jesus is the Christ. Well, the Antichrist, through his false prophet, are going to produce miracles with a message. He will deceive all who dwell on the earth because of the signs which was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast. So people are going to make these little statues. They'll put them in their home, on their car dashboards, all across the planet. They'll make images of the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. By the way, this is the third time God mentions the miraculous healing of the Antichrist. Now, he mentioned it first in verse 3, his fatal wound was healed. Then in verse 12, I have it underlined, whose fatal wound was healed. No if statement there. And now in verse 14, he speaks of a wound with the sword. And yes, he came back to life. Three times he underscores because he is emphasizing the power of this particular miracle. So let me review it for a second because God brings it up three times. So I'm going to bring it up again. You look at verse 3 again. I saw one of his heads as if it had been slain and his fatal wound was healed. And the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast, the Antichrist. So if the Antichrist is indeed dead, as the simple reading of the three verses in this chapter indicate, how is it, if God alone can resurrect the dead, that the Antichrist is resurrected? Well, some say that the Antichrist is really not resurrected, but what is resurrected here is his kingdom. And of course, we've already noted that the word beast can refer to the literal beast, the literal Antichrist, or the kingdom he represents. And we do that in English. And so I illustrated Hitler bombed England, not literally on an airplane where he dropped the bombs, but Germany, for whom Hitler represented, bombed England. 
Well, at least I can appreciate that because they don't want to contradict the Word of God and say that since only God can perform a resurrection, that indeed the Antichrist performed it. So they say his kingdom was revived. And of course, the verse they appeal to is John 5, 21. Jesus said, for just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom he pleases. To listen again to today's study, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV34. Tomorrow, the conclusion of The Devil's Deadly Duo. Join us then as we search the Scriptures. (laughs) 